0: heart surgeon Dr. Rawlings has personally witnessed several near-death cases, and DEs. This is an account of five of the most amazing stories of people who came back to life, and what they saw while they were dead. Matthew 7, 13-14. Enter through the narrow door, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many are those who enter by it. For narrow is the gate, and narrow is the way that leads to life, and few are they who find it. First witness. There are people who talk about light, There are people who say they have floated upwards, there are people who talk about warmth and love. I didn't feel any of that, I didn't feel any of that. Similar. I felt indescribable terror. It is very easy to be an atheist when you are successful, but it is very difficult to be an atheist when you are lying in bed dying. Second witness. When I came to myself, Dr. Rawlings said that my hair was literally standing straight up on my head. Third witness, it was an amazing experience to see that there is life after this life. Announcer. Everyday people like you and are living their lives normally are found to be lying dying every minute without ever knowing and believing the message of salvation. They then traveled from this world to the afterlife, but what they discovered was nothing but sheer terror. They returned here to earth and these are their testimonies and these are their real stories. Renowned cardiologist and author Dr. Maurice Rawlings will take you on a journey that few have ever spoken of. Fourth witness. So I cried out from the shadows, Jesus please save me. Because I was going either to heaven or then to hell, Seeing that there was nothing there. Other. Fifth witness. Hear the words of the one who heard those cries of terror. Announcer: This might be your only chance to go to hell and return to safety. Dr. Rawlings. This is a study on life after death. Throughout history man has predicted life after death. The whole Bible is based on the afterlife, as are all religions. But where is the evidence? Who has returned from death to confirm to us that there really is life after death? Now through modern resuscitation methods, resuscitating the heart, giving back the breath of life, we can now bring back a large number of people to tell us about what is on the other side of death. See what you think of some of these cases that we are going to present to you. Positive reports are very often more numerous, as people like to talk about the wonderful experiences they had after they died and came back to life. The experiences of hell are embarrassing, however. These are a failure on a report, a slap on the cheek. We have some cases of some people who will tell you about their personal experiences in hell, so you don't have to go where they went. We just want to teach you on how to reanimate the heart, reanimate the breath or the breath, on someone who has just died. Note this, death is reversible, you have four minutes of survival time before the brain cells start to die from the lack of blood flow to the brain, and before stiffness in the limbs, rigor mortis, occurs. I had to see two deaths where resurrection was required, something that man is not able to do. We can revive this is something that God has allowed us to do. Many people experienced hell, were converted and obtained salvation while they were lying on the ground, dead, came back to life, and remembered nothing but the good experiences they had. Well, this was not the case with Ronald Reagan, not associated with former President Ronald Reagan. He had his young son with him when he went to the seven to eleven supermarket. He had an argument during which a bottle was broken, and he was stabbed several times by his assailant, Ronald Reagan. In 1972 my life was shattered. I was a drug addict. I was a criminal. My family was broken. My wife had to file for divorce several times. My children were afraid of me. I couldn't keep a job at all, my mental state was terrible. It was in this way of life that I took my 6-year-old son with me to the supermarket to do some shopping. As I entered the store, I saw a gentleman coming out of the store. An argument broke out, and before I knew anything, I had hit him and knocked him to the ground he fell into a pile of bottles. The bottles shattered and immediately stood up with a limp, holding a piece of bottle in his hand and started stabbing me. I lifted my left hand to try to stop the stab, but the bottle cut through my biceps and the main arteries in my arm. I was bleeding to death just in a matter of seconds. But filled with anger, hatred and rage, I continued to fight, and continued to bleed. My young son was screaming, he was hysterical. The store owner came over and told me that if I didn't go to the hospital, I was going to die of blood loss within minutes. So he drives me to the hospital in my own car. When we entered the emergency room, I was barely conscious. When the medical staff started treating me, I could hear voices saying, we can't help him. He must be transported to another hospital. We will probably lose control. By the time they put me in the ambulance, my wife had arrived and left with us in the ambulance. But when the ambulance left the parking lot of that hospital, a young paramedic leaned over my face, pretending to be talking to me, and I could barely see his face, because I was so weak. He said sir, you need Jesus Christ but I didn't know Jesus, I didn't understand what he was talking about, so my reaction to it was to start cursing him. And again he said to me, you need Jesus. When he spoke to me, it seemed to me that the ambulance literally exploded in flames. I thought the ambulance had really exploded. The ambulance filled with smoke and immediately I stepped into the flames, moving into what appeared to be a tunnel. After a while, emerging from the smoke, and out of the darkness, I began to hear the voices of a multitude of people. They screamed, groaned, and cried. But when I looked down I saw what looked like an active volcano. I saw the fire, the smoke, and people inside this hot place. They were screaming and crying, they were burning, but not being consumed by the fire. So I started to descend into this opening. Wife, Elaine Reagan. He was struggling, he was just struggling, all the while moaning and growling. It was as if there was a battle going on. I was not a Christian at the time, and knew nothing about spiritual battles. But those were very scary to me because I could feel this battle. It was like light and darkness. It was like he was fighting something. I didn't know what it could be, but one thing I was sure was that he was having a vision of hell. Ronald Reagan. But the most terrible thing was the fact that I began to recognize several of the people who were in these flames. It was as if a camera lens was showing me their faces up close. I could see their features, I could see their agony, their pain, and their frustration. A number of them started calling me by my name, saying, Ronnie, don't come to this place, there's no way out. There is no way out of here, no way out. I saw the face of a man who was killed in a robbery, he was shot and died of excessive blood loss on the side of the road. I also saw the faces of two others who had died in an automobile accident while drunk. I also saw other people who had died immediately of an overdose, with whom we often celebrated together. They were in deep agony and pain but I truly believe that the most painful thing was the loneliness. The depression was so heavy, that there was no hope, no escape, and no way out of this place. The smell of this place was like the smell of sulfur, like the smell of an electric welder, the stench was terrible. In my life, I have had to see people being killed, I have been involved in fights in which people have been killed, I have been in prison for involuntary murder. I grew up in a reform school, and in a prison cell. I was beaten very brutally by a father who had a bad temper and had alcohol problems. I ran away from home when I was 12 and felt that there was nothing in this world that could scare me. My life was a disaster, my marriage was a disaster, and my health was a disaster. But there, I was seeing something that scared me to death, because I didn't understand it. And as I looked inside that pit, that place of fire, screaming and torment, suddenly I disappeared into the darkness. have been involved in fights in which people have been killed, I have been in prison for involuntary murder. I grew up in a reform school, and in a prison cell. I was beaten very brutally by a father who had a bad temper and had alcohol problems. I ran away from home when I was 12 and felt that there was nothing in this world that could scare me. My life was a disaster, my marriage was a disaster, and my health was a disaster. But there, I was seeing something that scared me to death, because I didn't understand it. And as I looked inside that pit, that place of fire, screaming, and torment, Suddenly I disappeared into the darkness. Have been involved in fights in which people have been killed. I have been in prison for involuntary murder. I grew up in a reform school and in a prison cell. I was beaten very brutally by a father who had a bad temper and had alcohol problems. I ran away from home when I was 12 and felt that there was nothing in this world that could scare me. My life was a disaster, my marriage was a disaster, and my health was a disaster. But there I was seeing something that scared me to death because I didn't understand it and as I looked inside that pit, that place of fire, screaming and torment, suddenly I disappeared into the darkness. When I opened my eyes I was in a hospital ward in Knoxville, Tennessee with my wife seated next to me. There were many stitches done in my body, my arm had been saved. I had about 100 stitches. I was looking straight into my wife's face. I wasn't concerned at all with where I was, or anything else around me. All I could visualize was just what I had just seen. Elaine Reagan. He had that strange look on his face, and it was a terrifying look. And he says, I really don't know what's happening to me, but I just got to a terrible place. And I kept telling him, you've been in the hospital, you've been in the hospital all this time. And he kept saying, no, I've been to another place. I don't know exactly what it was, but it was a terrible, terrible place. Ronald Reagan. I could still hear those screams. I could still smell the terrible smell. I could still feel the warmth, and I could still hear the voices I knew screaming at me, asking me to turn around. Over the next few days after this experience, I tried everything I could to be able to erase this experience from my memory. I tried to get drunk, but in vain I tried to overdose, but in vain I tried all I could do to be able to get rid of this inked experience in my mind, but I didn't. Was not happening. One morning, several months later, I came to the house where my wife was. I had tried to get drunk, but couldn't. When I entered the house, I walked towards the bedroom, where the light was on, I found her sitting in bed, with a large open book on her thighs. She looked at me, her face was literally sparkling. And she said, Ronnie, tonight I accepted the Lord Jesus as my savior. She didn't need to tell me more, because our life had only been filled with agony. She had grown up in Chicago, his father was a bartender in the south side of Chicago. She didn't know nothing about God, or the church, or religion. The pain in her face, The wrinkles I had given her from my abuse, violence, alcoholism, and drug addiction. Sometimes I would go away for months, and the children and her had no idea where I was. But now her face had changed. The wrinkles were literally gone, a smile had replaced grief and agony. She looked at me and said, Jesus saved me tonight. Could you come with me and hear the message about this man called Jesus? I say to myself, I have tried something else in life, and nothing has ever worked for me. The people I love the most, my wife, I was sitting at the back of the building, I didn't know any Scripture from the Bible. I did not know how to behave in church. But the pastor got up and read from the Bible, and he read the Gospel according to John. And he began to read these words, Here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. When he said the Lamb it was then that he had my full attention. No other passage would have told me anything at all, but when he mentioned the Lamb, he got the full attention of a hard-hearted sinner that I was. Because when I was nine, I was a very poor kid who lived in the mountains of East Tennessee, having for a father someone who knew nothing but anger, abuse, and alcohol. I had to walk a little over a kilometer to catch the school bus, then, one day while crossing her yard, she stopped me and said to me, son I have a present for you and she showed me this baby lamb that I loved so much. I took him home with me, he was my friend, the only friend I felt I really had. He was such a friend to the point where the days and weeks after he followed me everywhere, and he was waiting for me at the bus stop when I got off the school bus. He was walking through fields and woods to meet me. So one night when I got home from school, the lamb was gone. I heard my dad swearing and screaming. He was working on an old model car, changing a deflated wheel by hand, handcrafted. I tried to avoid it because I didn't want him yelling at me. I tried to pass it quickly, but when I got to the other side of the car, I looked down and there was my lamb, with its white wool all covered in blood. There was a will iron bar embedded in his body. The lamb had come to watch just out of curiosity what was going on, and in a burst of rage, my father thrust that bit of metal into his body. When I saw my lamb, my friend, dead, I cried out. I ran into the wood shouting, he killed my lamb, he killed the lamb. At nine years old, hatred and violence invaded my life, possessed my life. And from that moment on, I was never the same again. By the time I was twelve, I was a fugitive. I was in juvenile detention, arrested, time after time. I had no respect for authority. I hated anyone who represented authority to me. By the time I was 15, I had already been in prison for car theft, and for theft. At 15, I was convicted of manslaughter, I was also involved in a car accident which had killed some, and some had survived, and others were disabled. At this moment, I wondered if life will ever bring me something good. But when this pastor mentioned the Lamb, he got my full attention. He said that Jesus Christ was the Lamb of God, and that he died. Shed his blood so that whoever wants to can have a new beginning. He can be forgiven and start over again. That morning, I got up to try to get out of this building, I was thinking to myself, I don't want anyone to see me cry. I have never cried since I was nine years old. I am not afraid of any living thing on this earth, and no one will see me cry. Shed his blood so that anyone who wants to can have a new beginning. He can be forgiven and start over again. That morning, I got up to try to get out of this building, I was thinking to myself, I don't want anyone to see me cry. I have never cried since I was nine years old. I am not afraid of any living thing on this earth, and no one will see me cry. Shed his blood so that anyone who wants to can have a new beginning. He can be forgiven and start over again. That morning, I got up to try to get out of this building, I was thinking to myself, I don't want anyone to see me cry. I have never cried since I was nine years old. I am not afraid of any living thing on this earth, and no one will see me cry. It was then that when I turned to leave, strangely, I started to walk down the aisle to the front of this building. I didn't know the prayer of repentance and salvation, I didn't know Roman's road to salvation. But my prayer was this, God, if you exist, and Jesus, if you are the Lamb of God, please kill me or heal me. I don't want to live anymore, I'm not a good husband, I'm not a good father, I'm a good for nothing. And at that moment, it was like darkness and gloom left my life. So, the tears started to flow for the first time since the age of nine, and the tears flowed profusely guilt left my life, violence, anger and hate left my life at that moment. And Jesus Christ became the Lord and the Savior of my life this morning. That day I didn't know exactly what was going to happen. God heals my mind, my memory, my drug and alcohol addiction, everything disappeared instantly and I was released. And from that moment on, I knew I had to tell what happened to me. My life was saved for the simple purpose of telling others about the place I had seen, and of Jesus Christ's hope to save humanity from this terrible fate. Dr. Rawlings. Once again we wonder if hell is for the bad guy or the good guy. I would like to introduce the subject of OBE, out-of-body experiences, which translates as an out-of-body experience and that of NDE, near-death experience, which translates as an experience close to death. You know what clinical death is, where the heart stops, breathing stops, and suddenly, once again, we start living again. When the heart and the breath start working again, we have come back from death to life this situation is only reversible if it occurs before the stiffness of the limbs begins. But the out-of-body experience, OBE, and the near-death experience, NDE, are completely different. Near-death experiences, NDEs, are similar to what it feels like to point a gun at you and say, give me your money. You're usually scared to death, a near-death experience, but you're very far from death, you're just scared. Or, they are similar to what it feels like to narrowly escape an accident, but yet there is nothing to indicate that the heart has stopped or that the breathing has stopped. But what we notice is that, most of the authors who write books dealing with this subject include OBE and NDE without however mentioning clinical death. From where, this documentary will simply focus on clinical death where people really died and came back to life. There are several ways out of the body, to experience life outside the body, thus separating the mind from the body. This is the definition given in the Bible, when the spirit is separated from the body but we are talking about a permanent separation here, not a temporary man-made separation. And we're not talking about NDEs or OBEs either, we're talking about clinical death, because here is where the vast majority of people have real experiences. Charles McCaig. One of the cases falling into the category cited above is that of Charles McCaig. A 57-year-old courier who had chest pains that started and then stopped. So that day he came to my office. When he got to my office, we put him on a treadmill to see when he would start to have these pains again. He was attached to an EKG. EKG, heart monitor, the EKG so to speak went haywire. We knew he was having pain in his chest at the time, but before the machine could be stopped, he fell and died. But when he fell dead he was in a very strange situation. He convulsed like most people during the first few minutes of death when the heart stopped supplying blood to the brain. His eyes rolled back, he turned blue, and stopped breathing. The nurse started an intravenous, four, and I began to give her an external cardiac massage. The strangest thing happened when I stopped resuscitating him to put on a pacemaker. Charles McIake. When I came back alive, Dr. Rawling said my hair was literally stretched out straight, and my eyes had already started to dilate. I was scared to death, I was horrified. I led a very normal life, I partied a lot. I went to church when I was young because of my parents. I never realized what the church was, or what it meant to accept Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. Very early one morning I went to a local clinic in my town. At this point, given the pain I was feeling in my chest, I had suspicions that I might be having cardiac arrest. So I met Dr. Rawlings, he hospitalized me for about 3-4 to days. Then he gave me a stress test. When I came back alive, Dr. Rawlings was giving me cardiopulmonary resuscitation, CPR, and he asked me what the problem was, because I looked so scared. I told him that I had been in hell and that I needed help. He replied, keep your hell to yourself, I'm a doctor and I'm trying to save your life, you need a pastor instead for that. While doing CPR on me, he was simultaneously trying to put a pacemaker on me with the other hand. And I would sink frequently, so it would focus on CPR once more and bring me back to life. It was then that suddenly I began to float in the air, observing what was happening below. Every time I came back to my body I kept screaming, please help me, I don't want to go back there to hell. So a nurse called Pam said, he needs help, do something. At that moment Dr. Rawlings asked me to repeat this short prayer, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Jesus, save my soul. Keep me alive. If I die, please take me away from hell. After that, sinking became a rather very pleasant experience. I saw my mother-in-law, and my mother. My mom died when I was about 5 months old. I've never seen a photo of her. As for my mother in law, she died about 10 years ago. I had absolutely no contact with any of them. All I could remember was that. I heard that you cannot carry the money on your person, and when I was with my mother and my mother in law, I saw that they had no pockets. I know this sounds strange, but I try to remember everything I go through. After that, I remember going along a walkway that had colors on each side. I have a little knowledge of art, but none, not even Rembrandt, could ever reproduce these colors, they were so vivid. There was that light around me and I believe it was the Holy Spirit. She surrounded me and took care of me. I have never felt so safe and so secure in my entire life. Dr. Rawlings After this was over, that's when I realized what really happened. And what followed was a double conversion. This experience and this prayer not only converted this atheist down to earth, but also converted this atheist doctor who was treating him. Dr. Rawlings points to himself. This is the only reason I can stand before you now to tell you that there is life after death and that it is not always beautiful. Most of you can differentiate between a simple gloomy clinical death, and a biological death. Take the case of Charles McKay. he was on the running mat and I could tell he was in the clinical death phase. He had a question on his lips and was about to ask the question while looking at me in astonishment. As he was working on the treadmill, I noticed that his heart had stopped and his breathing had also stopped, but he kept walking and talking for about a minute or two before the lack of blood supply to the brain made him drop dead. He was already dead without knowing it. I should have informed him as soon as we had started treatment for clinical death, CPR. We were able to reanimate the heart and were able to make it breathe and it came back to life. This was clearly what is called clinical death. Was stopped and his breathing had also stopped, but he kept walking and talking for about a minute or two before the lack of blood supply to the brain made him drop dead. He was already dead without knowing it. I should have informed him as soon as we had started treatment for clinical death, CPR. We were able to reanimate the heart and were able to make it breathe and it came back to life. This was clearly what is called clinical death. Was stopped and his breathing had also stopped, but he kept walking and talking for about a minute or two before the lack of blood supply to the brain made him drop dead. He was already dead without knowing it. I should have informed him as soon as we had started treatment for clinical death, CPR. We were able to reanimate the heart and were able to make it breathe and it came back to life. This was clearly what is called clinical death we were able to reanimate the heart and were able to make it breathe and it came back to life. This was clearly what is called clinical death. We were able to revive the heart and were able to make it breathe and it came back to life. This was clearly what is called clinical death. Now this could have been biological death if 4-6 to minutes had passed after clinical death, due to the lack of oxygen to the brain, brain cells die, these are the most sensitive cells in the body. The stiffness of the limbs begins to take place and the person becomes stiff as a plank. At this point we now need a resurrection, and only God can make someone resurrect. We can only do resuscitation which is something we are allowed to do. Howard Storm Howard Storm was an art and literature teacher who was visiting Paris with his class when suddenly he had a ruptured stomach, ruptured ulcer, peritonitis, shock, sudden death, clinical death, resuscitation, and who experienced hell. Howard Storm I was a 38-year-old art school teacher. I took with me my students including my wife on a tour of Europe. We have been in Europe for three weeks already and this happens on the penultimate day of our tour in Europe. While we were in Paris, at 11 o'clock in the morning that day, I had a perforated stomach. When this happened, I had the most acute pain I have ever experienced in my life, and which threw me straight to the ground. So I began to torture myself, to cry out, to growl, to bang and to scream on the ground. It was then that my wife called the emergency department. A doctor arrived and called an ambulance, because he knew what was wrong with me. The ambulance took us about three miles through town to a public hospital. I was taken when we got to the emergency room and examined by over two doctors who knew exactly what was wrong with me. Then I was taken to surgery. But due to the fact that there was no surgeon available, I was parked there waiting for a surgeon. I was just lying there in place for about eight to ten hours in this hospital, having received and getting no medication, no exams, no attention at all, waiting for a surgeon to come and me do a critical operation. So at 8.30 in the night a nurse came and told me that they were really sorry, but they couldn't find a surgeon available for me, and they were going to find me a surgeon the next day. When she broke this news to me, I knew it was over for me, I knew I was dead. The only thing that kept me alive was the fact that I didn't want to die. I knew that I was an atheist, an unbeliever, and that I was a person who lived for his own gratification. Aside from the pain I felt, Dying was the worst thing that could happen to me because it meant the end of life, and there will be nothing left at all. When the nurse told me that no surgeon was available, the idea of trying to survive for a minute longer or an hour longer with this pain was no longer worth it. I had endured and waited all this time in the hope that they would find a doctor who would operate on me and fix the problem. But when they told me they couldn't find me a doctor, I then tell my wife that it is time to say goodbye, because I am going to die now. So she stood up and put her arms around me, she told me how much she loved me and I also told her how much I loved her. Loved, it was very sad. We said our goodbyes, we told each other those things we say to each other after living together for 20 years. She finally sat down because she knew it was over, and so did I. It was very painful to watch her cry like this, so I closed my eyes and just let myself go. I became unconscious. I was probably unconscious just for a short time, for a few minutes or so. Then I became conscious again. I opened my eyes and saw that I was standing next to my bed. I knew exactly where I was, and what the situation was, there was no confusion in my thinking. I felt alive, more truly than I had ever felt in my life. People often ask me, were you it was very sad. We said our goodbyes, we told each other those things we say to each other after living together for 20 years. She finally sat down because she knew it was over, and so did I. It was very painful to watch her cry like this, so I closed my eyes and just let myself go. I became unconscious. I was probably unconscious just for a short time, for a few minutes or so. Then I became conscious again. I opened my eyes and saw that I was standing next to my bed. I knew exactly where I was, and what the situation was, there was no confusion in my thinking. I felt alive, more truly than I had ever felt in my life. People often ask me, were you it was very sad. We said our goodbyes, we told each other those things we say to each other after living together for 20 years. She finally sat down because she knew it was over, and so did I. It was very painful to watch her cry like this, so I closed my eyes and just let myself go. I became unconscious. I was probably unconscious just for a short time, for a few minutes or so. Then I became conscious again. I opened my eyes and saw that I was standing next to my bed. I knew exactly where I was, and what the situation was, there was no confusion in my thinking. I felt alive, more truly than I had ever felt in my life. People often ask me, were you a we said our goodbyes, we told each other those things we say to each other after living together for 20 years. She finally sat down because she knew it was over, and so did I. It was very painful to watch her cry like this, so I closed my eyes and just let myself go. I became unconscious. I was probably unconscious just for a short time, for a few minutes or so. Then I became conscious again. I opened my eyes and saw that I was standing next to my bed. I knew exactly where I was, and what the situation was, there was no confusion in my thinking. I felt alive, more truly than I had ever felt in my life. People often ask me, were you a we said our goodbyes, we told each other those things we say to each other after living together for 20 years. She finally sat down because she knew it was over, and so did I. It was very painful to watch her cry like this, so I closed my eyes and just let myself go. I became unconscious. I was probably unconscious just for a short time, for a few minutes or so. Then I became conscious again. I opened my eyes and saw that I was standing next to my bed. I knew exactly where I was, and what the situation was, there was no confusion in my thinking. I felt alive, more truly than I had ever felt in my life. People often ask me, were you a we told each other those things we say to each other after living together for 20 years. She finally sat down because she knew it was over, and so did I. It was very painful to watch her cry like that, so I closed my eyes and just let myself go. I became unconscious. I was probably unconscious just for a short time, for a few minutes or so. Then I became conscious again. I opened my eyes and saw that I was standing next to my bed. I knew exactly where I was, and what the situation was, there was no confusion in my thinking. I felt alive, more truly than I had ever felt in my life. People often ask me, were you a we told each other those things we say to each other after living together for 20 years. She finally sat down because she knew it was over, and so did I. It was very painful to watch her cry like this, so I closed my eyes and just let myself go. I became unconscious. I was probably unconscious just for a short time, for a few minutes or so. Then I became conscious again. I opened my eyes and saw that I was standing next to my bed. I knew exactly where I was, and what the situation was, there was no confusion in my thinking. I felt alive, more truly than I had ever felt in my life. People often ask me, were you a finally sat down because she knew it was over, and I knew it too. It was very painful to watch her cry like this, so I closed my eyes and just let myself go. I became unconscious. I was probably unconscious just for a short time, for a few minutes or so. Then I became conscious again. I opened my eyes and saw that I was standing next to my bed. I knew exactly where I was, and what the situation was, there was no confusion in my thinking. I felt alive, more truly than I had ever felt in my life. People often ask me, were you a finally sat down because she knew it was over, and I knew it too. It was very painful to watch her cry like this, so I closed my eyes and just let myself go. I became unconscious. I was probably unconscious just for a short time, for a few minutes or so. Then I became conscious again. I opened my eyes and saw that I was standing next to my bed. I knew exactly where I was, and what the situation was, there was no confusion in my thinking. I felt alive, more truly than I had ever felt in my life. People often ask me, were you a I became unconscious. I was probably unconscious just for a short time, for a few minutes or so. Then I became conscious again. I opened my eyes and saw that I was standing next to my bed. I knew exactly where I was, and what the situation was, there was no confusion in my thinking. I felt alive, more truly than I had ever felt in my life. People often ask me, were you a I became unconscious. I was probably unconscious just for a short time, for a few minutes or so. Then I became conscious again. I opened my eyes and saw that I was standing next to my bed. I knew exactly where I was, and what the situation was, there was no confusion in my thinking. I felt alive, more truly than I had ever felt in my life. People often ask me, were you a had never felt in my life? People often ask me, were you a had never felt in my life? People often ask me, were you a ghost? I was just the opposite, I was very much alive. As I looked around the room, I realized that there was something underneath the sheets of the bed, a body. So I hunched over the bed so that I could see the face and that face looked like mine. But this is not possible, I am alive, I am well, I am more than alive. So I tried to talk to my wife, but she couldn't hear or see me. I thought to myself that she was just ignoring me, so I got angry with her for ignoring me. Then I started yelling at her, why is there this body on the bed that looks like me? How did he get there? I had a little suspicion that this body was me, but it was very scary to think it. So, I seriously started to get agitated and irritated. Because this is very bizarre, this cannot be happening, this is impossible, I was putting on a hospital gown and everything is very real. I heard people calling me out of the room in such a soft voice saying, Howard, you have to come with us now. Come quickly, get out of this room. So I walked out of the room. They were outside the room, in the hallway. The hallway was odd, grey, neither lighted nor dark, just grey. All these men and women, all in grey and what could not be just a hospital uniform, were waiting for me. I then asked them if they were coming on behalf of the doctor not to take him to the operating room. I explained to them my whole situation and how I had waited for a long time, and they kept telling me, we know it, we know it, we understand it. Howard hurry, come with us, we were waiting for you. I had left the room which was absolutely lighted and illuminated, and had gone down the hall which was weird and hazy. I followed these people, with which we made a very long journey. There is no notion of time, and when I refer to time, it is only an illusion because there is no notion of time in this place. But this place, if I had to recreate the walk with these people, I would say we had walked if I can say it, the distance from Nashville to Louisville, 175 miles, 281 kilometers. An illusion because there is no notion of time in this place. But this place, if I had to recreate the walk with these people, I would say we had walked if I can say it, the distance from Nashville to Louisville, 175 miles, 281 kilometers. An illusion because there is no notion of time in this place. But this place, if I had to recreate the walk with these people, I would say we had walked if I can say it, the distance from Nashville to Louisville, 175 miles, 281 kilometers. As we went forward, they stayed around me, pushing me forward, and it got darker and darker as we went. They were also becoming openly more and more hostile towards me. First, they were honey sweet to me in order to get me to go with them. Then when I walked up with them, then they started saying words like, hurry up, go ahead, shut up, stop asking questions, then it got worse. So we went into total darkness, and I was absolutely terrified. These people became very hostile towards me and I had absolutely no idea where I was, so I say, I won't go one step further with you, they said, you're almost there. So we started to fight while trying to get me keep away from them. They were pushing me and pulling me. They were now very numerous. Originally they were only a handful of people, but now in the dark they could well have been hundreds or thousands, I didn't know. They were playing with me, they could have destroyed me if they wanted to but they didn't want to. They just wanted to inflict pain on me because they got complete satisfaction from the pain I was feeling it's really very difficult for me to talk about it, hence I won't tell you much about these pains, because it became very horrible. Initially, they tore me with their fingernails, scratched me, hollowed me out, pulled out my flesh and bit me. I was trying to defend myself, trying to fight so I could get away, but it got me. It was then that after that I was lying on the ground, all shredded having pains all over, whether inside or outside of me. But then it was still possible for me to endure the physical pain, Only to endure the emotional pain, from which emanated an absolute degradation of me. But a strange thing was that at no time, and not even once, did I ever feel that this treatment I was undergoing was unfair or not right. I heard my voice, not someone else's voice, or the voice of God, but my own voice, but I had not spoken. Maybe it was my conscience, I don't know, but I distinctly heard him say to me, Pray to God. So I reasoned to myself, thinking, I don't believe in God. I thought, even if I had to pray, I don't know how to pray anymore. Because I hadn't prayed for about 23 years. When I was a child we used to pray in Sunday school and in church. So I began to try to remember these prayers. For me, praying just meant reciting something I had learned. The Lord is my shepherd, give us this day our daily bread, my land this and that. Wait, this is not a prayer. When I walk in the valley of the shadow of death, in this regard and seven years ago, our ancestors. I am mixing everything up, getting confused, I cannot remember how to pray. I noticed that every time I mentioned the name of God to these people who tortured me, it was like I was pouring hot water on them. So they were screaming, screaming, and yelling. So they professed the worst profanity I have ever heard in this world. They couldn't stand being by my side when I was talking about God. It was so painful for them to hear about God that they started and continued to walk away. So I realized that I could push them away just by talking about God. So I started trying to remember the prayers, but I was confused and confused. Eventually I realized that they were gone and that I was there on my own. I was there on my own for what felt like an eternity. What I mean is I had no notion of time. So I started to think about my life, I thought about what I had done, and what I had not done. I thought about this situation I was in. And I came to the conclusion that my entire adult life was selfish, and that my only God was myself. I realized that there was something wrong with my life at all, and that the people who had attacked me were exactly the same kind of person I was. They were not monsters, nor demons, but these were people who had completely missed it. They had missed out on why we are alive in this world, they lived a life of selfishness and cruelty. And now I was in a world where there is nothing at all, nothing but selfishness and cruelty. They were doomed to do this to themselves, not only on each other, but also on themselves forever, ever. And I know I was part of this world. Although I didn't want to be there, it felt like it was the right place to be. I felt this was what I deserved, because this was the way I had lived. You can't imagine how emotionally painful this was. I was lying there on the ground for endless time, thinking about my fate. It was then that in the back of my mind came a picture of me as a child, sitting in a Sunday school class singing Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me, la la la, Jesus loves me, la la la. I could hear myself singing this song like a child. But the most important thing was the fact that I could feel it in my heart. There was a time in my life when I was young and innocent and believed in something good, where I believed in someone other than myself. I believed in someone who was completely good and all-powerful, who really and really cared for me, and I wanted to have that, to get back what I had lost, what I had rejected, betrayed, I wanted it, I wanted to get it back. I didn't know Jesus, but I wanted to know Jesus. I didn't know his love, but, I wanted to know his love. I didn't know if he was real, but I wanted him to be real. There was a time in my life that I believed in something, and I wanted to believe it was true. So I began to cry out in the darkness, Jesus, please save me. And he came. First, it had a very small semblance of light in the dark, very quickly it became glowing. The light became so bright that in the physical world it would have consumed me. She would have cooked me like a potato chip. But it was neither hot nor dangerous in this light. Il était dans cette lumière, il se curbe et tout doucement, commence à me solever. Don cette lumière, je pouvais voir que j'étais complètement, horriblement horrible sale, et sale que j'avais des blessures partout sur le corps, je ressemblais à quelqu'un qui était mort dans un accident de voiture. Il plaça doucement se mains et des sous-de-moi moi et me prétendres du sol. Alors, vorsqu'il me toucha, tout les blessures, les douleurs, et la solitude échec à l'instant. Elle se juste comme ça, et je redevins bien et Gary. At all intérieure, j'ai fou simplement rempli par son amour. Oh, c'est j'ai puvé se k j c'est k j'ai ressentis. C'est très frustrant de ne pas pouvoir parler de cela aux gens, par ceci si fut la meilleure chose qui m'a jamais arrivé dans ma vie, ceci si me rendit complet. C'était l'ultime tout de la vie, la fête de connaître cet amour, et j'ai ne plus simplement pas vous le décryer avec des mots. So he hugged me, kissed me, stroking my back. Like a father does to her son, and like a mother does to her daughter, simply and tenderly stroking my back. I was chatting with joy like a child, that I was lost, and now had been found, and that I was dead and had been brought back to life. He pulled me out of there, and we just flew out to get out of there. We were heading towards a world of light, and I began to have thoughts of great shame. I had been so bad that I saw myself as dirty, and as having dirty trash. And I started to think to myself, he made a mistake, I don't belong here, he doesn't want me here. How could he care for me? Why I am bad? So we stopped. We were no longer in hell, we and were not in heaven, but we were in between. He said, "We don't make mistakes. you belong here." So we started to converse, and he was telling me things. He brought in angels who introduced me to my life from start to finish. They showed me what I had done right and what I had done wrong, and it was very simple. When I had been a kind and kind person, taking others into consideration, it pleased the angels, it pleased Jesus and they let me know that it made God happy. When I had been selfish and manipulative it displeased the angels, it displeased Jesus, and they let me know that it displeased God. You belong to here. So we started to converse and he was telling me things. He brought in angels who introduced me to my life from start to finish. They showed me what I had done right and what I had done wrong. And it was very simple. When I had been a kind and kind person, taking others into consideration, it pleased the angels, it pleased Jesus and they let me know that it made God happy. When I had been selfish and manipulative it displeased the angels, it displeased Jesus, and they let me know that it displeased God. You belong to here. So we started to converse and he was telling me things. He brought in angels who introduced me to my life from start to finish. They showed me what I had done right and what I had done wrong. And it was very simple. When I had been a kind and kind person, taking others into consideration, it pleased the angels, it pleased Jesus, and they let me know that it made God happy. When I had been selfish and manipulative it displeased the angels, it displeased Jesus, and they let me know that it displeased God. Had done wrong. And it was very simple. When I had been a kind and kind person, taking others into consideration, it pleased the angels, it pleased Jesus, and they let me know that it made God happy. When I had been selfish and manipulative it displeased the angels, it displeased Jesus, and they let me know that it displeased God. Had done wrong. And it was very simple. When I had been a kind and kind person, taking others into consideration, it pleased the angels, it pleased Jesus, and they let me know that it made God happy. When I had been selfish and manipulative it displeased the angels, it displeased Jesus, and they let me know that it displeased God. What they were trying to get me to understand basically was that my one and only reason for existence was to love God and love my neighbor as myself. This is the reason I was created, this is what I was in this world to do and to learn. But I had failed, and they told me I needed to come back to earth, and I got really angry, because I wanted to go to heaven. What they told me about heaven was that it was the most pleasant, the most interesting and the most wonderful place. Anyone would love to go to heaven, and I wanted to get there. They told me that I was not ready, that I was not in good shape, that it was not the time for me to go to heaven. Versus rather, it was the time for me to return to this world and try to live the way God wanted me to live, the way He created me to live. I tell Jesus and the angels that I could not live in this world without them. I tell them I would be heartbroken if they sent me back to this world. They have been there and I will be there. They said to me, so you don't understand anything? What is the problem? If we are showing you all of these things, it is because we have always been there. We've been with you all this time. And you've never been alone down there. I tell Jesus and the angels that I could not live in this world without them. I tell them I would be heartbroken if they sent me back to this world. They have been there and I will be there. They said to me, so you don't understand anything? What is the problem? If we are showing you all of these things, it is because we have always been there. We've been with you all this time. And you've never been alone down there. I tell Jesus and the angels that I could not live in this world without them. I tell them I would be heartbroken if they sent me back to this world. They have been there and I will be there. They said to me, so you don't understand anything? What is the problem? If we are showing you all of these things, it is because we have always been there. We've been with you all this time. And you've never been alone down there. I said, you must let me know that you are there from time to time. So they told me if I pray and confess my sins to God, if I give what I have to God, this means giving Him my worries, my needs, my hopes, and my dreams, just surrender everything to God, then, there will be times when I know in my heart that they are present. Maybe not necessarily see them, but I would feel the love like the one I have felt before. I told them if they could assure me that there would be days when I could know this love then I could live in this world. They told me they were going to do it and with that they sent me back to earth. After this experience the nurse who told me that they couldn't find a doctor ran into the room and said that a doctor had arrived at the hospital and this is quite a miraculous thing because it was between 9 or 9:30 at night. She says the doctor has arrived at the hospital and that we will operate on you immediately. With that some people came into the room and took my wife out of the room. It was very disturbing, because I was trying to tell them that I wanted to tell my wife what had happened to me. So when I passed my wife down the hall on my way to the operating room, I told her everything would be fine. And she started to whisper, he's like a dying man. The strange thing about this experience is the fact that my memory does not has not been tarnished at all. It's really good, and I don't know why, but it's still intact. I believe that one of the reasons God gave me this experience is that I would have the opportunity to share it with someone. I don't know who it might be, and I would never know. But I would have the opportunity to share it with people so that it can be of help for them. John 14, 6. I am the way, and the truth, and the life, no one comes to the Father except through me. The announcer. A randomized study found that many people do not believe at all that heaven and hell are real and do exist. However, many of those who believe these places exist have different ideas on how one can access one or the other. First randomized person in the street, a man. I don't believe there is hell. I believe, on the other hand, that there is a paradise. Somehow, there must be something more to this existence than just a short time on earth, he must certainly have something following this existence. Second person randomized in the street, a man. I believe that each person will pay for what they do in their lifetime. I don't necessarily believe what the Bible says about hell when it describes hell as a hell of blazing fire, I believe hell is just the worst of your fears and all that may be bad according to your own perception, and you may have to pay for it for eternity and heaven is just the place where you live for the rest of your life in peace as long as you love God, live for God and in accord with His Word. Third person randomized in the street, a woman. I believe that heaven exists, definitely heaven exists. I'm not very sure about hell. How do you explain hell? However, heaven, yes does exist. Fourth randomized person in the street, a man. I don't think it's because we necessarily go to church that we will go to heaven, or that we will go there because you believe in the Bible. But simply if you live a good life. Life. Hell is reserved for a few really mean people, like someone who may be intentionally murdering. Murder is probably the only thing you can end up in hell for. Fifth randomized person in the street, a woman. I'm really not sure what could be sending you to hell, or why you have to go to heaven. I have no idea. Sixth person randomized in the street, a man. I think there is really no heaven or hell, but just an afterlife. I don't know exactly what it is. I'm not sure if there is but I believe there is some kind of middle, or limbo, or purgatory that everyone goes to. It is neither really comfortable nor really traumatic. 7th Randomized Person in the Street, A Woman I believe that not everyone in their own mind thinks of hell and heaven. The paradise is what makes them happiest, what they aim to accomplish in the future, and what they believe in their own belief that in God or other deities or entities, believe that paradise exists. And that's what they work for in life. My daughter is a proclaimed atheist, but somewhere in her memory she knows that there is something that she wants to have in her last moments of life. And for her that is all that is required, a deity is not required at all. Eighth person randomized in the street, a woman. I believe in my own sort of belief which is much more of a metaphysical belief. I believe that whatever you feel on earth, how you see heaven, what it is, this is your own conception. Hence it becomes so when you die. So if you believe that there is a source of God within you, and that you are a good person, and that you are a happy person, Then this is what happens to you after you die. But I don't believe that you get penalized and go to a place full of fire, because you haven't lived your life the way organized religions think you should live. End of interviews. Dr. Rawlings. Several people try to dilute the message of hell and heaven, saying that neither of these places exists. Why not eat, drink, and be happy? If there is no responsibility, then there is no sin. And if there is no sin, then Christ died in vain. And if Christ died in vain, why do we need God? This is the new New Age philosophy, which says there is no hell. It is also the hope of most people that there is no hell there. Volunteers go to hospitals, visit our loved one, announcing the New Age message to them. This is called, the religion of recent years, the religion of near death experiences. Look, I went to heaven, they say to the patients who are dying, I saw the light and came back. Everything is fine. There is no accountability, there is no hell. The portals of paradise are widely open to all who die. Look at me, I am an atheist, and I am fine here. You don't have to worry. Death is not something you should be afraid of. I will stay with you. Your family is very afraid to stay with you while you die, but I am not afraid. Let me hold your hand. Let me tell you about this glorious thing that comes for you- that pretty light at the end of the tunnel, where there is no worry, no loss, but only gain. You are acceptable the way you are. There is no of responsibility. there is no hell. The portals of paradise are widely open to all who die. Look at me. I am an atheist and I am fine here. You don't have to worry. Death is not something you should be afraid of. I will stay with you. Your family is very afraid to stay with you while you die, but I am not afraid. Let me hold your hand. Let me tell you about this glorious thing that comes for you, that pretty light at the end of the tunnel, where there is no worry, no loss but only gain. You are acceptable the way you are. There is no of responsibility, there is no hell. The portals of paradise are widely open to all who die. Look at me. I am an atheist and I am fine here. You don't have to worry. Death is not something you should be afraid of. I will stay with you. Your family is very afraid to stay with you while you die, but I am not afraid. Let me hold your hand. Let me tell you about this glorious thing that comes for you, that pretty light at the end of the tunnel, where there is no worry, no loss but only gain. You are acceptable the way you are. There is no death is not something you should be afraid of. I will stay with you. Your family is very afraid to stay with you while you die, but I am not afraid. Let me hold your hand. Let me tell you about this glorious thing that comes for you, that pretty light at the end of the tunnel, where there is no worry, no loss, but only gain. You are acceptable the way you are. There is no death, is not something you should be afraid of. I will stay with you. Your family is very afraid to stay with you while you die, but I am not afraid. Let me hold your hand. Let me tell you about this glorious thing that comes for you that pretty light at the end of the tunnel, where there is no worry, no loss but only gain. You are acceptable the way you are. There is no you are acceptable the way you are. There is no you are acceptable the way you are. There is no all. It is eternity for all. This is a new age philosophy called Omega faith where everyone goes to heaven. There's a bunch of these people that come into our hospitals to consult with the dying, instead of the church groups that are supposed to do this work. Ministry to the Dying is the most neglected ministry of all ministries. No one wants this ministry. Everyone is afraid of patients who are dying. While the patient who is dying wants to know a lot more about the subject of death, what is dying, is it painful? Is there life after death? Is there a heaven and a hell? How could I make sure that I would go to heaven? And you can just tell him it's a free donation. You can tell him how to receive this donation. But if we don't defend ourselves against the Omega faith, which has infiltrated hospitals, with this deadly faith, then we are going to lose our own Christianity. The patient will die naked, with no faith at all. Dr. Donald Whitaker. Our next case is that of Dr. Whitaker, who to this day still practices medicine and was an atheist at the time of this incident. He had nothing to do with God, and did not want to know anything about God, until a situation that we would like to share with you changes his life. Dr. Donald Whitaker. This took place in February 1975, at that time, I was an uncontrolled alcoholic and I also used drugs recreationally, but alcohol was my drug of choice. I was absolutely out of control. I had a lot of friends in show business, Ringo Starr and a bunch of other people. When this happened, they were doing a special television show on the West Coast. Hoyt, a friend, called me and asked if I would be interested in going. And I told him that I would be delighted to go with them because I knew he had to have loose drinks and he had to have a lot of partying as well. While they were doing their special, I was busy doing my own thing, e-drinking alcohol. After spending three to four days there, I became ill. I had excruciating pain in my abdomen. I took the flight to Oklahoma City from there, called a friend of mine who was a senator and asked him to send a car to pick me up because I was sick. They sent a car and accompanied me to the house. I was interned at Watley Hospital in Texarkana, Texax in February 1975. I was interned with electrolytes, which meant that the chemicals in my body were so unstable that I had to be checked intravenous to pull me up. Called a friend of mine who was a senator and asked him to send a car to pick me up because I was sick. They sent a car and accompanied me to the house. I was interned at Watley Hospital in Texarkana, Texax in February 1975. I was interned with electrolytes, which meant that the chemicals in my body were so unstable that I had to be checked. Intravenous to pull me up. Called a friend of mine who was a senator and asked him to send a car to pick me up because I was sick. They sent a car and accompanied me to the house. I was interned at Watley Hospital in Texarkana, Texax in February 1975. I was interned with electrolytes, which meant that the chemicals in my body were so unstable that I had to be checked. Intravenous to pull me up. At this point in my life, I was an atheist. I was a confirmed atheist and I lived for myself. Atheists are self-centered people who only live for themselves. This is how and in, in this state of mind that I found myself interned in 1975 in my hospital bed. Three days later, I was operated on, later I was in intensive care, on a ventilator, which means it was breathing for me. I couldn't speak. I was there in a coma, when I heard people talking about me about the seriousness of my condition and how I was likely to die and how I was not going to be released from the hospital alive. At that time I had very long hair because I didn't just cut it. And I heard someone say, gosh, what he has long hair. And another person replied, they are not as long as they will be when he gets out of here. And the third voice said, he won't get out of here anyway. He will die. And three days later, I was able to breathe on my own. I remember my doctor, the surgeon, Dr. Donald Duncan saying to me, Don, if you have something to put in order, if you have something to sign, please do it because we don't know. How long you have to live? I knew I had a condition called acute narcotic bleeding pancreatitis. You cannot survive when you have this disease. You can live with pancreatitis. You can even live with acute pancreatitis. But you cannot live with acute pancreatitis narcotic bleeding. Duncan had told my two sons that I was going to die before morning. They didn't expect me to survive. I was lying there, me a confirmed atheist. I didn't believe in God. I believed in the power of the universe, because I had seen it. As a doctor, I had to deal with life and death situations. I believed in something, but especially did not speak to me about God. And didn't tell me about the resurrection, the virgin birth, or that sort of thing either, because I am in research and in science. The majority of doctors of philosophy and research and science do not believe in God. They don't believe in a supreme being. They begin to believe that there is an order in the universe because the further you go, the more you see the order. It is very easy to be an atheist when you are successful. When you worked hard to leave Oklahoma social welfare to become one of the most powerful men in your city, one of the most powerful men in the state of Oklahoma politically. It's very easy to be an atheist when you've done all of that. When a man has had all of that, he can sit down and say, I don't need God. Who is God? But it is very difficult to be an atheist when you are lying dying on your hospital bed, because then you start to think and think, what if these people were right? There had been a man called Ron Short who stood between me and the gates of hell. A man who showed me the love of Jesus for five years, before I got sick. I argued with him, but I liked him, because he did what he said he was going to do he was the only person I knew who said he was a Christian and really lived his Christianity. I really respected him. I didn't believe what he said, but I respected him. When I was lying dying on my hospital bed, knowing I was going to die, imagine the one I was thinking of? I thought, what if Ron was right? What if there was heaven and hell? So immediately, the most pressing thought in my mind was how to be saved. What is it to be saved? How to be saved? So I sent people to look for Ron Short. I wanted him to come in order to do what he felt had to be done. I had no idea how a man hanging from a tree in Israel 2000 years ago could save me. What does this have to do with me? But I knew he had something I had to have. Ron was not at home that night, he was in Alabama. Then Jay people sent for Ron. That night was the longest night I have ever lived in my whole life, before or after this experience. I was lying in my bed, so I started to sink into the darkness. It was so so dark. It was as if the darkness was just entering your inner stronghold. I can tell you that I left my body because I remember coming back to my body. I don't know where I was when I was out of my body. Had left my body because I remember coming back to my body. I don't know where I was when I was out of my body. Had left my body because I remember coming back to my body. I don't know where I was when I was out of my body. There are people who talk about a light, or floating over it, who talk about a feeling of warmth or love. I didn't feel anything like that. I didn't feel anything like that at all. I felt an incredible terror. I knew that if I went all the way, that if I let myself go this way, that I would never come back. In the depths of my being, I knew it. So I fought all night long. They told me later that I not only ripped the sheets off the bed, but also took the mattress off the bed and put it on me. I had to stay, I had to wait until Ron got here at the hospital. Whatever he must have to do, I had to wait for his arrival. Then every time I left my body, I sank into a deep, Dark terror. My skin began to cool. Not the quality of cold one feels when walking in the open air, no, that was freezing cold in the bones. And I could feel that coldness starting to rise through my legs. And once again, I started to leave my body to find myself in the darkness, in this void. I remember once, when I was trying to get into my body, that I felt my body thudding, my physical body thudding. Believe me, believe me, this was the most horrific experience I have ever had in my entire life. I fought all night long. The next day, around 9.30 or 10am, Ron arrived. He said, Dr. Whittaker, what are they saying about your chances of making it? I tell him, Ron, they say I don't stand a chance at all, he said to me, now is the time. I say, you are right. Before I would have cursed him, I would have spat on him, but now it was about time because I had to and wanted to have whatever he had. I only had a short period of time to live on earth and I had no idea when I would have to make this journey which was going to lead me to the end of the road of no return. At this point Ron had me simply recite the confessional salvation prayer. I had no idea what the prayer of repentance and salvation was, but I trusted Ron. He leads me in the sinner's repentance prayer and tells me that Jesus died for my sins. That he died for the sins of the world. I didn't really understand what that meant at the time. He showed me in the Word of God where it was written. You must understand that I am a man of books, that I spent a good part of my life, 25 or 26 years of my life in books, in all kinds of scientific books. I started with a master's in chemistry all the way to becoming a doctor practicing medicine. He told me that and I believed him because it was written in this book. It was a new book to me, and it was called the Bible. Ron led me in this prayer, and I confess this day, the prayer of salvation and repentance. Just after that if I can tell you one thing… It is that he had a peace like I had never known before that enveloped me, this peace was exactly the one I had sought in bottles, in alcohol, in drug injections, and in women. This peace, I had sought it in all kinds of places. But I had no peace at all in my life. But once I accepted Jesus Christ into my life as my personal Lord and Savior, I was no longer afraid. But I still knew I was going to die anyway, because I was very familiar with the condition I had and I knew you couldn't survive once you contracted it. I knew it, I am a doctor. I knew what I had, that you couldn't survive from this condition. Ron showed me in the word of God where it is written, and these are the signs which will accompany those who believe, in my name they will cast out demons, they will speak new languages, they will take snakes, and when they have drunk something mortal, it will not harm them, they will lay their hands on the infirm, and they will be well. Mark 16, 17-18. Today, I walk on planet earth, without taking insulin anyway, without taking any enzymes, eating whatever I want, and every day God produces in my body the correct material to make me function without any times have to take no medication. When you see the blind eyes cover their sight, the handicapped walking, the lepers being healed with your own eyes, then one does not need to be able to understand rocket science to come to the conclusion that the Bible is true. Dr. Rawlings. How can different stages of hell look different to people? The Bible does not say that all hell is just fire. If you look at different places in the Bible where hell is mentioned, you will see terms such as, hunted. Separated from God. Total darkness. With worms that cannot die. The majority of hell is fire. Seeing the angels of light can be disappointing in some cases. For example 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen 14, tells us that even Satan himself can turn into an angel of light and disappoint many people. So what kind of light did these people see at the end of the tunnel, especially if it was someone who didn't believe they deserved to be in heaven? These things sometimes happen. But what is strange is that the opposite never happens. Those who ended up in hell knew exactly where they belonged. And there was no question as to why they ended up there. By the way, Christ Himself to speak on this fact in Matthew 25. Jesus also said that if Satan cast out Satan, how could his kingdom survive? Matthew 12 26, that said, why would Satan show people that there is hell, when this works against his own kingdom and against his lies? No that is impossible as an angel of light, Satan can easily disappoint many people. Christ Himself to speak about this fact in Matthew 25. Jesus also said that if Satan casts out Satan, how can his kingdom survive? Matthew 12 26, that said, why would Satan show people that there is hell, when this works against his own kingdom and against his lies? No that is impossible. As an angel of light, Satan can easily disappoint many people. Christ Himself to speak about this fact in Matthew 25. Jesus also said that if Satan casts out Satan, how can his kingdom survive? Matthew 12 26, that said, why would Satan show people that hell exists, when this works against his own kingdom and against his lies? No that is impossible. As an angel of light, Satan can easily disappoint many people. But these variations that these people see in hell, whether it's total darkness or whether it's fire, still these places are places they would never like to visit again. This leads us directly to the case of Dr. George Rodineya, a very intelligent young Russian man. He arrived with a state doctorate and was a doctor, but he had problems with the KGB. Hence he could not get out of Russia. In fact, when he tried to escape from Russia, he was expressly run over by a KGB agent who drove onto the roadway with the intention of bumping into him. This is how he died and where his story begins. Dr. George Rodanea. As a psychiatrist and neuropathologist, for me, God did not exist. I never believed in God. I never believed in the Bible. I never thought about God, the Bible, or the Godhead. In 1976 I was 20 years old, I was already a doctor working in Georgia, Russia. There, I met a lady from Texas. I tried to leave the country several times, without any success. Because I had no help. This lady tried to help me and that's how I got into big trouble with the KGB. I was working on identitin it's a neuron transmitter in our brain. With the conjunction of oxytocin, I had discovered a lot of things. I was a major scientist, and the KGB didn't want me to leave, like I insisted on wanting to leave, so they decided to kill me. This is how I entered another dimension of my life. I was standing on the sidewalk, about to leave for New York, waiting for a taxi to take me to the airport, when a car came onto the sidewalk and hit me. I flew 10 meters into the air, then the car rolled over me. My friends and family never took them to the hospital. The doctor at the hospital, A friend of mine, and two other teachers declared me dead. On Friday night, they put me in the morgue, and the fridge. Three days later, they got me out of there. So on Monday morning they started my autopsy. These three days when I was out of my body, I saw everything that was happening, I saw myself, my body, my birth, my parents, my wife, my child and my friends. I saw their thoughts, I saw what they were thinking, how their thoughts moved from one dimension to another. It was an incredible experience. I was in total darkness. The darkness was urgent. This darkness did not exist outside, but inside. What I mean is that the darkness was pressing. And that I was in the middle of this fear and I did not understand why and how this darkness existed. Where was I? I understood that I didn't have a body as I couldn't feel it. It was then that I saw a light. I went through a small hole in this light. But the light was so powerful, and so scorching. You couldn't compare it to anything. No words can explain it. The light was so hot, and passed through the flesh. I didn't have a body, and this was the most interesting part. And I was afraid of the light, I wanted to go to the shade to save myself from this light. What is light? I did not know. It may be called the light of God, it can be called the light of life. But the light is the light and the darkness is the darkness. As a psychiatrist and scientist, I didn't think about it the only thing was that I was in the light. We were not raised in the voices of God. You know the history of the Soviet Union, there you were not allowed to go to church. There were people going there, but they were considered limited people. We thought they weren't smart enough to understand that there was no God. But those three days that I spent in the morgue, in the fridge, had changed my whole life. They started the autopsy, and began to open my chest. This was the first incision, so I opened my eyes and they saw that my pupils were convulsing, getting smaller and smaller. When they saw that my eyes were reacting to the light, they knew I was alive they took me back to the hospital and started resuscitation. My lungs, because they had been collapsed for so long, actually caused me to be put on a ventilator for 90 days. My recovery was not quick, but eventually I recovered my life. They realized that I was alive during the autopsy, but not all of my organs were functioning. It was hard work for 9 months of recovery, it did not happen immediately, but, I was alive. But the doctors had to help me survive and help me regenerate my health and my organs when I came back alive, several different experiences took place. I experienced a lot of rejections, a lot of struggles with others. But nothing could change my thinking, I knew my destination, I knew my way. I decided to leave the country, and this lady from Longview, Texas helped me go to the United States. We went to Texas and continue to live there until today. At times, things are beyond our comprehension, but I don't try to explain them all because I know and I believe that God knows better. I don't think I need to explain everything but why was this shown to me and why was I chosen? Honestly, this is a question that I really don't care about. All that interests me is that I deeply believe in a God of love and God is love. And I believe that God created everything for a better and an incredible future if it is not ruined. Dr. Rawlings. Now I will show you cardiopulmonary resuscitation, CPR. We told you that we will show you how to reanimate someone's heart and how to make them breathe again. You have to do it with your bare hands. So first you have to check if the person is okay. Maybe she is intoxicated? Can she talk to you? Or maybe she just hit her head? You should immediately look, smell, and listen if the person is breathing. Is her chest moving? And are his nostrils moving or not? Can we feel an exchange of air? If it is not felt, then leave the heart for now and come back later and direct yourself first and immediately to the breathing holes. You open the breathing ports by lifting the person's chin, pointing it toward the ceiling. This straightens the trachea. Then you have to close his nostrils so that your air in his mouth inflates his lungs. So give it two quick breaths. And watch to see if his diaphragm goes up. And if it goes up, then it is because it is an unblocked respiratory opening. But if it is still blocked, then you have to go back there to give two more breaths again and you have to lower yourself and have to grab its mouth in order to unclog the breathing hole. If his heart is not beating, and this you determine not by listening with your ears, but by touching to feel the pulse of the carotid artery on either side of the Adam's apple bomb, bomb, bomb. If you don't feel this after two quick breaths, then, six centimeters above the xiphoid, on each side of the ribcage, diaphragm, the lowest part of the ribcage, place one hand above the other, and lean on it. This is a critical time in life when you can testify to someone before they die and give them the option of accepting Jesus Christ as their personal savior. Then he will lose nothing at all, whether he dies or lives. It will stay with him forever. And in case he dies that way, then we don't wouldn't have to wonder where he went. And the preacher would be right when he said he's in heaven, that he went to be in heaven with God. But for those who die on the streets, where do they go? It's the pastor's fault, it's your fault, and it's my fault because we didn't preach the gospel to them, which is the free gift for anyone who wants to have it. Conclusion. All of these hellish experiences have one thing in common, the surprise. They didn't know such a place existed. Would you be surprised? Would I find this surprising? Or would we be prepared for this? Hell is not at all new. It has always existed and has always been there. These people simply found it out when they died and came back to life. And all they wanted to do was share their experiences with you and make sure this place exists and is real. Dr. Rodanea. And I experienced what love is, what faith is, what hope is, and all of these three things are the wisdom of God. Dr. Whitaker. The Prayer of Faith, The Prayer of Salvation, is not a kind of little prayer, but it is the only way that leads to the Father. And that is the only way. So all these people in the New Age movement who believe that everyone goes to heaven after death, that you can worship whatever you want, that you can worship a fly, you can squeeze a tree, you can worship a crystal, you can worship a star. I have news for you, you will not go to heaven unless you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. For the Bible says that the only way to the Father, to God, is through His Son Jesus Christ. Ronald Reagan? Please don't go to hell. I beg you. Don't go to hell. Because this place had not been prepared for you. Charles Mackay. If you are saved, you are only saved if you have accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, Howard Storm. Don't put it off for whatever reason you may have, for you may die right now. Charles Mackay. This is the most wonderful thing that has ever happened to me in my life. Howard Storm. You can feel the presence of Jesus by your side today in this place where you are and at this precise moment. Ronald Reagan? It is not the will of God that anyone should perish. I did not know. I did not know the love of God. All I knew was hate, violence, and abuse. But there is someone who cares for you and his name is Jesus. Whitaker? And who is the Son? He is the Word made flesh and who came to live among men. The Word is the way of the Father. Howard Storm? Make a choice. Don't wait until tomorrow, not tonight. Make a choice right now. Are you going to give your heart to Jesus or not? Charles McKay. If you want to have a good life after this here on earth, you better accept Jesus. Revelation 3:20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into his house and will sup with him, and he with me. Dr. Rawlings. Dear friends, you have heard the obvious. This is the closest you will have to get to make a decision. Is there life after death? are these people who have been introduced to you, and who have completely changed their lives after discovering that there is a heaven and a hell, morons? Did you make that decision to follow Jesus in your own life or not? Do you know that if you have decided to follow Jesus and die tonight, that you will be in heaven with God before tomorrow? And remember the quote in Revelation 3 20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, if any man hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into his house and will sup with him, and him with me. I would enter he does not say I would enter maybe, and sup with Him and He with me. This means that you have to come to Him dirty just as you are, just as you are. He will partner with you and tell you how to cleanse your life, and at the same time, in exchange for your life, He will give you the free gift of eternal life with Jesus Christ because you are one of His. And that will make you now a Christian. John 11, 25-26. Jesus said to him, I am the resurrection and the life, whoever believes in me, even though he is dead, shall live, and whoever lives and believes in me shall not die forever. Do you believe that? This is an example of how you can pray for salvation, Lord Jesus, I recognize that I am a sinner and that I need your forgiveness. I repent for everything bad that I have done. Thank you for paying the penalty for my sins when you died on the cross. I'd like to turn away from my sinful nature and instead follow you. Lord, I open my heart to you and invite you to come into my life, and make me the person that you want me to be. Jesus, I accept you as my Lord and Savior. Please fill me with your Holy Spirit and take control of my life. In the name of Jesus Christ I pray. Amen.